as a manager, you shouldn't be in a position where you get angry, where people can't work. You need to create the conditions so there is redundancy that you don't have to be in the position where you have conflict. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Asaf Karman. He's the co-founder and CEO of Turnover B&B, a platform for short-term rental hosts and cleaners to connect and automatically manage their vacation rental cleaning schedules. Back before the pandemic, I had several conversations with various providers about outsourcing my entire housekeeping department. Since those days, gig work has become more mainstream and outsourcing entire departments may simply be trading one set of issues for another, namely the ability to find and retain staff. That's why this conversation is so interesting to me. The short-term rental space has been using gig workers who set their own rates and availability for years, but short of hiring temp workers in hotels, this hasn't been a source of employees that many have explored at any great depth. And while I can hear all the reasons why hiring a gig worker in housekeeping won't work, if you're struggling with recruiting or retention, this option deserves a look, even if it means that your operation would have to bend a little to accommodate. I continue to be amazed by the overlap between short-term rentals and hotels. And this conversation has the wheels turning about where the former can help the latter and raise the bar for everyone. So let's get to it. This is episode 87 of the Proven Principles podcast, Asaf Karman on Can the Gig Economy Help Hotel Housekeeping? Enjoy. Asaf, it's great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for being here. It's wonderful to be here, Adam. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. We are, uh, we're talking about uh, an interesting business that, uh, you know, truth be told, I, I signed up with you guys for our vacation rental management company, Turnover B&B. Um, I will not do nearly as good a job talking about Turnover B&B as you will. So let me turn the mic over to you. Why don't you tell us what you guys are all about? Right, Adam. So uh, Turnover B&B is kind of two things at the same time. So the first thing we are is a platform where you can manage all your bookings uh, and reservation and bring them into one place and then automatically schedule um, all the housekeeping that has to happen around it. Um, so once you plug in all your booking sources like Airbnb, VRBO, Booking, or if you're using a PMS, um, then those cleaning projects will automatically get generated it would get sent to your cleaning crews. They would use our mobile app um, to know when to go, to know what to do when they're there, to complete checklists, to upload the photos, to take documentation. Um, we would also uh, facilitate payments between you and your cleaner so you don't even have to think about payroll, cutting checks, invoices, tracking taxes. So basically, everything on your, the back of your house is automated. Now, if you think this is great, hold on. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> we can also find cleaners for you all over North America. So you can start a vacation rental business in a, a remote market where you don't have um, a footprint. And we can set you up with an experienced cleaning crew that would take care of everything and that you can communicate with through our app. And we have people who are, you know, have leveraged our platform to create kind of multi-regional um, vacation rental property management companies. They have, they'll have properties in Alaska, in Nevada, in Hawaii, in Georgia, 
that they, they maybe have never even seen. Yeah. And that's before all the hotel people listening right now, just turn off. They're like, no, this is a short-term rental show. I'm not interested. I want to, I want to try to bridge the gap here for a second, uh, because there has been a move in hotels for, for several years now to outsource your entire department to somebody else. And I imagine that that if you weren't looking at that pre-pandemic, you might be looking at that today. If anything, just to try to bridge the gap and some shortfalls in staffing. It'd be a lot easier to just be like, you know what, let's just take this entire expense and just boop, give it to somebody else and they could manage the day-to-day. But maybe that's not in your, in your future right now. You're just trying to figure out what the right move is. What I like about what we're talking about today is trying to leverage the gig economy and use it to your advantage. And we're going to tease out some of the best practices in this short-term rental space that maybe hotels can actually employ, even though that may not be a wheelhouse that you guys are currently going after. And yes, sure, there's temporary workers and there's a lot of you know options out there for, for housekeeping in hotels, but this is another avenue to go out and find staff in potentially a way that people want to find work for themselves right now, where they can kind of be available for projects if and when they're available, rather than being tied into a schedule and having to show up and do whatever, 12, 15, 18, 20 rooms a day in a hotel. So I, I think that this is an interesting staffing alternative. And that's the one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on today, to give a sense of you know, how does this work in the short-term rental space? and or is there an overlap that hotel managers can look at? So there's definitely um, some things that, um, you know, the two industries can learn from each other. I think one of the things we do that is interesting and can be applied is this idea of um, kind of autonomous work scheduling. So on our system, you can say, well, I have these 10 properties against every one of these properties. I have like four or five cleaners that I can work with, um, and I organize them by priority. And then, you know, if the first one rejects, can't do it, has a conflict, it goes to the second, it goes to the third, goes to the fourth. Um, and you as a manager don't have to care who is doing it um, as long as someone is doing it. So our philosophy is we'll let you know if there is a problem. Otherwise, everything is good. And if you have an enough redundancy, then um, you almost always have someone um, available. Yeah, it's like having that bench of part-time on-call people, right, it, it, on your traditional schedule. And, and But what this does, well, I mean, one of the many things it does is it takes away the need for you to call people all the way down the list to see who can come into work, right? It just sort exactly. of waterfalls all the way down, right? And eventually, hopefully, if you've got a deep enough pool, you're going to find somebody available. Just think of the amount of stress that it reduces. As someone who needs to think about um, day-to-day operations, if you don't have to think about that, right, just think of just like how much stress is off your shoulder if you know that there's a system that does that for you. You define the rules, um, and then it's up to the cleaners to pick up the jobs that they want to pick up. Um, and they usually want to pick up as much as possible, but you know, they're human too. And sometimes, you know, they have soccer practice for the kids. Sometimes they they're sick. Sometimes the car broke down. Um, so you as a manager, you know, you, you shouldn't be in a position where you get angry, where people can't work. 
you need to create the conditions so there is redundancy that you don't have to be in the position where you have conflict. That's the show clip right there. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, how did how did Turnover BNB come to be? What was the like? I mean, the, now that it's up and running, there's an obvious problem that that the service solves. But what was the? I mean, how, were you just sitting around with your property manager and you're like, man, I can't find cleaners. Uh, I need to. I got to figure this out. Or was there? Is there something a little little deeper than that? Basically, yes. Basically, that. You know, I was I was uh, running my own Airbnb and um, was, you know, I'm by nature kind of like a disorganized, anxious person that if I have like three things to do, I can't do anything. Right. So I'm needed a way to I'm also a software engineer, so I can make apps and can like build products. I was like, okay, I'm going to build this. It's going to solve my problem and I'm going to give it out to the community to use. Um and see what they think. And then um, got a lot of feedback from, from a lot of people. And, and this has been kind of co-created with the community in terms of evolving the scope of the product and, and kind of choosing which, ta- which problems we tackle. Uh, and it kind of started from like, you know, a pet project to, to you know, a commercial endeavor. Now it's a real uh, business. Yeah. What's the interesting piece to this here, and I guess it, like a lot of gig economy style of work is the workers find the platform themselves rather than uh, a manager, a typical air quote manager having to go out and recruit somebody to come and work with them. What's the mechanism that's in place to make sure that, and maybe there isn't one, but to to qualify workers? So you've got, you know, I don't know. You've got a uh, this open number, infinite, effectively infinite number of people that can do this this job here, but not everybody can actually do the job and do it reliably. And that's what I want to dive into a little bit here. And I think that starts with qualified workers on the front end or the back end, however you look at it. So you know, our, I think the most valuable thing that our platform does is that we have the truth about people's uh, experience. Uh, like we know if they have done this before. Um, and when you are searching from someone on our system, like we say, hey, this person has completed 700 projects already, right? Um, and that's something that you will never know using any other method of recruitment, right? People will come with a resume and say, ah, I've done this before, but it's just a piece of paper. Who knows, right? Or you know, you go on, on Craigslist or Thumbtack or whatnot, but anyone can create a profile. And, you know, and those platforms are kind of biased towards just getting you someone, whoever pays the $5, right? They don't care. They're not invested in the long-term success of that connection. We're invested in the long-term success of the cleaners and the property managers because our business model is such that we take like a small commission um, from every project. So if if it doesn't work out, we lose. So we try to match you with the person who's the most likely to stick with you, mm. right? So there's there's a lot of mechanisms that kind of build that picture. Um, we can see how quickly they respond, 
how many you know projects they've completed. Like, do they write a big you know note? Do they take enough pictures? We have all this data, and then we create this uh, model that tells us who is consistent and effective and can be retained. Mm. And then we match you with that person because we are aligned with your success, right? If you keep working with that person, we are good. Uh, but if you're not happy with them, then we lose. Yeah. And I guess you're, you're coming at turnover from a different perspective. It's not so much, <clears throat> is this person who I'm taking a leap of faith with going to work out for me? It's giving the hiring manager relevant data points. And they can make the decision whether those data points fit what they're looking for. And then as long as, as long as there's good chemistry, I guess, enough work, but also I would, I would think that there would be some responsibility on the hiring person, on the host's side of, of the, of the, the equation here to make sure that just like when you're a manager at a, any business, you got to set your workers up for success. And there's probably a lot, I'm guessing, and maybe kind of lead into the next question here is, are there any best practices from the host side of things to make sure that that retention stays strong? And ultimately that's going to benefit you guys, but it's, it's not just about putting a good candidate out there and hoping that they work out, right? There's more to it. So, so, you know, we try to create an environment that makes it easy for people to communicate. Um, and share feedback. We kind of, you know, we put the, the training wheels on, on the relationship from, from our perspective. For example, we would, you know, pre-populate kind of popular checklists that you could use so you can get started easy and then be able to tell um, your cleaner what is it exactly that you want? Because we find that when you tell people what you want, um, it's it's easy to for them to please you, right? And and to and to um, and to be effective at what they do. So we you know we pre-populate these checklists. We have like kind of like feedback loops of like, okay, how was this first project? Um, is there anything that you want to change? Um, you know. Was the price fair? Do you think it needs to go up? It needs to go down. So we let people kind of prompt them for um, their feedback and try to like handhold everyone so that the relationship continues and that everyone is satisfied. And what happens if something just doesn't work out? If if you've got a cleaner that, uh, I don't know, I mean, any number of things can happen, right? They're not following a checklist. They're not... <clears throat> they're not meeting the cleaning expectation that the host has. Maybe they don't show up for, for jobs or they're unreliable. What is there a mechanism in there to fix that for the host? Cause you're not, because it's not an employee. So you're not really, you don't have to fire them if things aren't working out. Right. It, it's very easy to kind of remove someone from your team. Uh, if you need to, uh, there's also, you know, kind of a review feedback. So everyone is very accountable and want to make things work. Uh, from the cleaner side, you know, the reputation is at stake and people um, that use our app, a lot of time is, is their single biggest source of income um, and they really want the reputation to be, to be intact. Um, 
Now, having said that, yes, there's sometimes there, the experience is not good. If that happens, uh, we try to minimize that as much as possible. Uh, but that's part of, you know, part of part of life. And what we encourage people is to have redundancy, is to have backups. Uh, we Our system is built so that you can have lots of backups. Um, and it's it's just part of it. Like if you if you don't want to ever be in a in a in a bind, then you need to create backup plans and you need to plan for it. Um, and people are people, right? Even even if someone is the most amazing, dependable, um, awesome cleaner in the world, like their car breaks sometimes, like exactly. it snows. You know, it, it, this, these things mm-hmm. happen, right? So. As, as a business owner who doesn't want to be in a pickle, um, you just need to plan ahead a little bit and have backups. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, um, again, just like I, I'm thinking back to when I was writing schedules um, for, you know, different departments and hotels. It was the same thing. You just, you couldn't, you couldn't always rely on even the, your most reliable people. You got to have, to your point, redundancies and things in place to, to pick up the slack. The... Does this go the opposite way where cleaners can get reviewed and their reputation is very important and, and all of that? We've already touched on it. It's, does it go the other way? Can hosts get reviewed by cleaners? Yes. And is there like, there's a back end like, oh, this person's great or do not work with these people? Yes, there is. So, yeah. um, you know, most of the people on the system are wonderful um, from, from both sides, but there, but there are exceptions and sometimes there are kind of abusive um hosts who think that they can take advantage of people and when very quickly we figure out who these people are and, and we make sure that they don't do that anymore i you know it, it just like it's a bit of a leap of faith for a, a hiring manager to hire somebody it's equally the same on the employee side Right. And so you're taking a leap of faith and maybe you read some reviews, you talk to some people, maybe if you do some due diligence, if you're taking a job somewhere, but usually you're just going by how well you interacted with the person in the interview and maybe the couple of other people that you interview along the way and assume that, yeah, this is a good place to work. Or if you get some weird vibes about it, maybe you still go in and think that it'll get better. But the, the review process to the hosts, I think is really interesting because that almost ensures that there's there's some equilibrium and, and almost forces like good work and cultural practices, I I suppose in the network. Uh, You know, that that's our job as, as a marketplace is to create trust um, and kind of grease the wheels of commerce, right. Mm -hmm. By making it easy for everyone to do the, the best thing. Right and aligning everyone's incentives um, for a common goal. I mean that that's that's our job as a marketplace is to create that environment where everyone is for the most part on the happy path. We strive for that. That's a good point. And I'm wondering, you know, pay is obviously always a very big thing that people look to to. You know, that, that's a gauge of, you know, what we've we've done shows on that. We don't need to die, go down that rabbit hole, but. Yeah, pays pays important, but also the the quality of work and everything that we've been talking about so far on the show. Do you have any insight, or have you learned anything through the process of starting the company and running it that drives better engagement? That 
that people can look towards to to know that they're making a good decision on whether they're hiring somebody or whether they're accepting a job with with a host that could translate sort of into this weird world that we're talking about between short-term rentals and hotels. You know, one of, one of the coolest things I think about our platform is that you say, okay, I am in Atlanta. I need a cleaner for a two-bedroom. You're going to get immediately like five different bids that are competitive because the, the, the people on the other side, the cleaners, they know that there are other people um, making offers. So um, it's very easy to take the temperature of, of like what's fair. I always, I always say never choose the, the lowest one, um, but you'll always find like, you know, good, like fair prices on our end. Um, we don't set the prices, they set the prices. So you know that it's just something that they're comfortable with, right? It's, this is enough money to get them out of bed. Like we aren't, we aren't, we aren't the ones setting the prices. It's impossible, I think, to price um, on a global scale uh, yeah. where things are so local. Are you finding it, does, does the pricing model contribute to increased costs that are obviously, I mean, in this world, ultimately passed on to the customer through the cleaning fee and, and maybe some other management fees on reservations. Um, <clears throat> but we've been hearing so much about wages going up uh, in, in the W-2 world. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing the same thing in this environment? Yeah. Prices are going up for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think has gone up um, in the past two years, at least 20%. Is and I don't know what the stat is if that's on par with what uh, wages are going up as, but I'm in my head. I, I mean, anecdotally, I'm just kind of thinking like, if you can set your own price, and granted, you still need to be within a certain range right. in the market. To your point, you don't want to take the lowest and usually not the highest either. But if you show value, you know, you can charge a little bit more than everybody else. Is are those lines going up? Are they spreading out? I think there's definitely an, an increase in prices, but I think that um, it's still very competitive. Um, and what we see is that um, owners are kind of understanding that mm-hmm. there are, you know, cost uh, pressures, and I, also like I think the nightly stay price has gone up faster than the cost um, of cleaning. So I think it, it, it's only fair that um, cleaners also get some of that. Get a, a, a larger piece of the pie. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. Have you, and that, you bring up a really good point actually, because that is typically uh, a complaint that people have when they're booking a short-term stay. It's you get, you get one price and then you go through the reservation process and then cleaning fee and XYZ fees are all added on. And so whatever, a $200 stay becomes a, $300 stay pretty quickly. Um, are, are you guys hearing from hosts or cleaners or, or kind of reading the tea leaves with Airbnb and some of the other OTAs out there about that getting addressed? Is that is how do you take out that, that potential uh, disappointment, I suppose, from the traveler to, to seeing, you know, one price that drew them in but then when they're ready to book, it's a whole other thing. I, th- I think people have been already uh, educated and are understanding of it. I think when you book a short-term rental, um, 
your alternative, depending what what it is you're trying to do with a hotel, is usually more expensive, uh, even when you include the cleaning fee. So if you know if you are like a business traveler and you're trying just to find somewhere close to the conference for a hundred dollars a night instead of four hundred dollars a night then okay, whatever the cleaning fee, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're going on a family vacation, you're trying to put seven people in a house, but you're not going to take four hotel rooms or three hotel rooms. Um, and the cleaning fee again is, is just, just part of, part of, uh, you know, doing business. So, you know, vacation rentals are still a bargain, um, kind of compared to, uh, hotels for the most part. And I think the cleaning fee isn't, um, isn't a breaking point. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that's the other side of the coin, isn't it? Where if hotels are charging a lot more and you could argue in some cases providing a lot less, you know, because you might go, you might spend three or $400 on a, your typical standard hotel room, um, and still have to pay 50 bucks for breakfast and $60 for parking. And, um, you don't you know, even I'll, get your room cleaned every day anymore. And now you don't even get your room <laughs> cleaned every day. Although you don't in a short term rental either in a lot of cases, but, but, but very good point. You're right. You don't, you don't, that thing was taken away from you, right? right. That was a right. And that's likely not coming back anytime soon. Although actually we are seeing it come back, but for a fee, which is, which is actually interesting. I see. I've seen it as sort of as a behavioral um, kind of experiment. I stayed at the Disneyland Hotel over Christmas. It was super expensive. I don't remember. It was like seven hundred dollars a night, maybe less, maybe more. Um, but they didn't clean. And they said, "Well, if you want, call us by this time, and we will clean." And then you'd always forget, um, and you end up just you know, four people in a room and then it's just like mess everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it hurts the experience and, and, um, but I, I don't know, you know, it, it might save enough money to offset that. Well, I could tell you like, you know, from, from my years working in hotels to now, you know, doing the short-term rental thing, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty heavy in it with, with the management company. Um, and just booking hotels at Airbnbs or vacation rentals, like the the value prop for hotels, a lot of the time has been the consistency, because you know what you're getting when you go in. And sure, there's loyalty points in different companies and all that. And and I think that it's important to circle back to that point here, where it's incumbent on the host who's hiring the people through Turnover BNB to make sure that there is a consistency mechanism in place. And you've touched on it already with basic checklists and 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 cleaners having to provide pictures. If that gap in quality uh, expectation and delivery can be reduced between hotels and short-term rentals, I mean, that's, in, in my mind, it's not necessarily game over. There's always a reason, obviously, to have hotels in place, but it makes the value proposition less appealing, I suppose, for hotels, or maybe it's stronger for short-term rentals. I think you're touching on a really good point because I think the consistency of vacation rentals um, has gone way up. You know, if like 10 years ago, I'd travel somewhere and be like, okay, I'm going to get it to Airbnb, but I don't know, is there going to be like 
some junkie in the other room or something like those days are over. Like, yeah. you know, I, I have full confidence that if I'm going somewhere and I booked like a decently priced Airbnb, um, then I, it's going to be spotless. Um, and it, there's going to be like a gift basket and there's going to be like chocolates on the pillow. Like people are, have learned the trick. They know how to do it this yep. point there's so many tools there's no excuse um i know that the consistency is going to be there uh, now having said that there's also you know something nice about hotels like if, I, if i'm going to a conference i want to be in the hotel where the conference yep. is so that i don't have to move around right and and i don't care paying more for it right yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's, that's obviously, that's always going to be one of the value propositions for hotels. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm not, I mean, my, I've made my career, my life in hotels. That's about the thing that I'm constantly interested in is where the overlap is between the two industries. They're far more similar than hotel managers, I think have chosen to accept in the past. I think that, that that's becoming much more, um, uh, a much more accepted perspective in the hotel industry. Uh, I mean, just look at what Marriott and Accor are doing and going, you know, head first, uh, well, body, throwing their bodies into the, into the short-term rental space. Um, but yeah, you know, if you, if you're running a short-term rental and you're not consistent and you don't have great cleaning practices and you've, you know, you're even little things like, you know, there's mildew in the grout or in the, you know, in the grout or in the caulking in a bathroom, or you're not cleaning under the cabinets or under the, the sinks, um, you, you will almost self-select out of the available pool of, of properties to be booked. Right. So you, it's almost like you got to just keep pace with everybody else if you want to be successful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's what's happening. It's just like, it's at least on, you know, on Airbnb, it's hard to, to, to be on top if you're get if you're getting dinged with with bad reviews and people have no problem sharing their feedback uh, if if they feel like the value wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know, I guess the the value perception piece is always tricky to get your arms around. Um, and hotels again have kind of struggled with this a little bit for for quite some time. And you know, to your point earlier about not hiring the cheapest person, but not taking the most expensive one either. There's always that, there is that sweet spot where you can, people don't mind paying for it. They see the value in it. And then if you can throw something extra in and, and, you know, spice up the experience a little bit better then uh, you're just going to be better for it. It's true. Yeah. It's- yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's, what's on the roadmap then for turnover B and B where, where do you guys go from here? One of the things that we want to make sure is that, um, we give people all the tools they need in order to run their um, vacation rentals, their property management businesses um, fully remote. So uh, we're working on adding kind of a marketplace of uh, maintenance so that, well, you know the place is clean, but you still are worried about, okay, what, what if there's like a water leak? What, what if the washing machine breaks. We want to give you people boots on the ground um, everywhere um, in the country so that you can buy a property in a different state, you can buy um, property maybe in a different country. We're big in Canada too. Um, Knowing that you have a pool of people that we vetted that you can trust um, to kind of effectively manage your properties. 
yeah, just keeping everybody in the in the walled garden, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, I think, you know, just, just solving those little headaches that pop up. Yeah. I think that, that, that the maintenance piece makes a lot of sense. So you're not, you know, having to go out and call, you know, whoever, whatever local provider, hopefully they show up. Usually, I mean, the calls I've been, I've been getting returned. Usually I don't get a call returned for a couple of weeks and then they can't get out there for another couple of weeks after that. I'm like, well, I've, you know, it's already been fixed, but yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. The, uh, the, uh, as we go into summer here, um, you know, in the U S and Canada, North America, occupancy is obviously going up like the stay, uh, probably increasing a little bit. Um, do you guys, does your model and your model doesn't change, but when it comes to availability of staff, that's always the hard thing from an employee's perspective in a hotel, because staffing is always dependent on occupancy. And this model, I think, is a little bit, that's more obvious sometimes, yeah. where you just accept the jobs that you want to do. So you work as much as you want. Do you find, though, in busy times or in slow times that the availability of staff and sort of the, the consistency of, of quality, does that get affected? Or is that just a nature of, of this, this gig economy kind of a work where people just know that that's how it is and, and expect it? So, I mean, I think the beauty of our platform is that you can scale your team up and down very easily. Um, and we don't have, we actually don't have a shortage of, of cleaner who want to join our platform. We actually have more people who want to join their platform than we would let in because we want to make sure that, you know, our experience is consistent and that we don't um, admit people who, who wouldn't be successful. So, you know, in order to, to join our marketplace, you have to demonstrate vacation mental cleaning experience. Um, and you have to go through onboarding call, background check. Um, and, you know, you, we really want to make sure that this is not the first time you're doing this. Uh, and we, but we still have a lot of people who, who, Heard about the platform and that you can build a great business over it. So you know, the, the use case is not just individuals who are you know, working as a gig, but it's also cleaning companies, like regional cleaning companies. Um, they want to scale their business. Yeah. Get exposure to more clients. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Makes perfect sense. Uh, <clears throat> okay. The, uh, the question for the hotel folks that made it to the end here, um, do you guys, do you work in hotels currently or is that if not, is that an area that you've looked at as maybe a, an opportunity to expand into? So if you have a boutique hotel, um, let's say up to 50 rooms or something like that, there's a lot of people just like you who are using our platform um, to manage their cleaning. Um, I think it would be you know a few quarters down the road where we build um, integrations into hotel centric, um, systems where we can kind of automatically manage, um, like a housekeeping staff and also give you access to, to our marketplace. But as the product is built today, you, you could run, um, a little, a little, uh, boutique hotel on it for sure. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And that just to summarize that, that's, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on today to just show that no matter 
what some of the challenges are hotel managers are dealing with today, this is a, a very viable and suitable potential uh, sliver of a solution to help with some of the challenges that you're dealing with. And, you know, I can, this is not a paid sponsored episode, but I can, you know, I've, I, I set up with you guys cause I saw the value. And I think that, you know, if, as I look back to what my needs were when I was running hotels, this was a big one. And this is pre pandemic. This is back when things were really good. Uh, we still had trouble finding people and we could, and it was not a pay discussion. I think that the discussion was, there were, it was more nuanced and, and there were more layers to it than that. Um, and this is a really viable uh, alternative, I think that hotel folks should take a look at. You know, I, I think that the inherent advantage of building kind of like a big redundant team is that every person on that team can work when they want to work. Because if you're just putting it on on one person, um, it's it's a lot of demands in life, right? You have like your uh, sometimes multiple jobs. Your family members, um, it, it's it's difficult to be reliable and and give a hundred percent of of yourself to the job, right? But you can give fifty percent, you can give thirty percent, and if you just make a group that is large enough that it all adds up to a hundred percent, there is like less stress of every individual person and less stress on yourself as a manager to kind of stay on top of people. Very well said. Um, Asaf, if anybody wants to learn more about you or Turnover BNB, where should they go? Well, turnoverbnb.com is our website. Um, I also always love to connect with people and talk to people. Uh, you can message me on LinkedIn and um, I'll, I'll accept your connection and talk to you. Uh, always love to learn about what people are doing, how they're working. Sounds good. Everything will be linked below in the show notes uh, if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, so I appreciate you giving us a look behind the curtain of Turnover BNB and wish you much success. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. This was my episode with Asaf Karman. You can learn more about Turnover BNB at turnoverbnb.com and you can connect with Asaf on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at The Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.